kidding. Good evening. Welcome to Bethany. We're so glad you're here with us tonight for our one night only 5 p.m. service. Many of you will remember we used to do five and seven, so tonight your body will feel like it's five o'clock, one, one night only. This morning, there were people at our 8 a.m. service, which to their bodies was 7 a.m., and I just wonder why were they here so early? Like, you guys did it, and I, and I, had, I had to be here. I got the opportunity to be here, but you guys did it right. Hopefully, you just skipped the whole thing, and you slept until an hour ago, and now you're ready. So... Welcome, my name's, uh, and welcome those of you online, my, my, my hope for you tonight is that you would experience a sense of community and belonging, even as you're a part of this community through the, the magic of the internet, but welcome, we're glad you're with us. Uh, my name's Eric Henderson, I'm the Green Lake Director, which just means that uh, I share the lead pastor role here at Green Lake with, with Kendi, who is just up here, and of course, Pastor Richard, in addition to leading worship and uh, helping lead our staff team. So privileged for me to be able to, to share with you all tonight. Um, we're going to continue in our series uh, on, on Psalm 23, and it's simply titled 23. Nice, clean title. I was reflecting on this. I wondered if this was why the number 23 is so popular in the sports world. That Michael Jordan, LeBron, David Beckham, that all of those were sort of following in the footsteps of David, that in some senses this is the original hipster psalm, right? Like, it wore 23 before it was cool. Uh, so, but one of the most fascinating things about Psalm 23, uh, as noted by, by Eugene Peterson, who of course uh, wrote the message, translated the message, I should say, he didn't write the Bible, he just gave new language to it. But despite the fact that sheep and, and, and shepherds and shepherding are so remote to our daily lives, in fact, most of us could go our entire life and maybe have so far without encountering a sheep or a shepherd. Uh, but this psalm contains phrases and images that are deeply embedded in our understanding of the Christian life. That in times of trouble, we often recite this. Like, raise your hand if you've been to a memorial service and, and they talked about Psalm 23, right? This is one of these passages that gives us uh, such hope. There's something about this psalm and, and us as sheep and Christ as the good shepherd, even beyond our understanding, that rings true deep within us. And Peterson goes on to note that though this psalm is rooted in the Palestinian countryside, it, it, it contains beauty and truth that speaks to us in a world of, of concrete roads and of fast cars and domesticated pets and even shopping malls. And now you still may not connect with Psalm 23 and, and the images of sheep and shepherd on, on a practical level, I encourage you to stick with me uh, tonight. There's much for us to learn. We're gonna continue this deep dive in Psalm 23 as, we, as, we, as we've been for several weeks now, going verse by verse. Uh, but like for us, as we begin to consider two, two translations of this together, one is the NASB, it's our pew Bible there, and the other is one called uh, The Voice, and it's Lesser known, but I love the way that it illumines the text and gets to the, to the spirit of, of what's being communicated. So Psalm 23, verse three, listen to two versions. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He makes me whole again, steering me off worn, hard paths to roads where truth and righteousness echo his name. This verse speaks into some of our deepest longings for wholeness and direction and purpose and invites us to movement, 
to a continued journey toward a deeper understanding of ourselves as sheep and Christ as the good shepherd. And it's this reality of movement and journey that I'd like for us to pursue uh, today. Oftentimes I find myself uh, wanting to, to camp out where God has called me or the situation has called me to pass through. And one of the ways that this played out in my life uh, in, in recent years is uh, last year I was a part of this uh, bike ride from Seattle to, uh, to Spokane uh, called the Sea Tri Can. It's run by World Relief Seattle as a fundraiser for refugees that are resettling in our, our community. In fact, there's time for you to sign up still. I'm going to ride again this year. It's five days, 400 something miles. It sounds crazy and it is and it's super fun. So I encourage you to think about that. But the first day was the, like the easy day, and so it was 60 miles, and I think my longest training ride was like 55 miles, so I was already in trouble on day one. Uh, but I found myself, uh, at, there were these rest stops, so we'd stop, and you know, they'd pull out snacks and water, and I'd be like, sweet, okay, that 20 miles or so, that was great, but now it's, it's like snack time, so you have a snack, and get a drink of water, and then another snack, and drink of water, and pretty soon I'm, I'm kind of like sitting down, lounging, enjoying, enjoying it, forgetting about this journey that I was on. But before long, uh, the snacks would get packed up, and the water jugs would get put away, and 50 riders at one stop would dwindle down to like four or five, and I'd realize like, oh shoot, I gotta get going. It's the journey that I signed up for, but I'd find myself getting comfortable. And I think it's, it's universally or near universally understood that life is a journey and yet we often find ourselves setting up camp, desiring the safety and comfort of a particular place over unfamiliar territory. And the life of David in his 23rd Psalm shows us that even familiar ground can become a wild place of discomfort, of danger, reminding us that we were made to move. And Psalm 23, verse 3, invites us to three movements in particular. And these are in your bulletin as, as fill-in-the-blanks. Uh, I love a good fill-in-the-blank, so I thought I'd do that for us tonight. And, and just know I've learned a lot from watching Richard. Point one, that's your long point. And then two is like your medium point. And then, and then you just land that plane real fast. Uh, so if you think, wow, point one's long. Don't worry. This is, all, this is all planned out. But I'll just, I'll just rattle these three movements off for you quickly. The first is the movement from brokenness to wholeness. The second, from wanderer to follower. And the third, from for my sake to for Christ's sake. So we're gonna unpack these together, but first invite you to, to join me in prayer as we open up our hearts to God tonight. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so grateful that you have said Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. We're thankful for the ease with which you walk the earth and the generosity and kindness you showed to people, the devotion with which you cared for those who were out of the way and in trouble, the extent to which you loved your enemies and laid down your life for them. We're thankful for, uh, to believe, Lord, that this is a life for us, a life of sufficiency a life without lack. Lord, I pray that you would sneak up on us today, that you would get past our defenses and our worries and our concerns as you gently open our souls and speak your word into them. In your name, amen. So this first movement that we encounter in Psalm 23, verse three, is a movement toward restoration from brokenness 
to wholeness. And in order for us to understand what this movement of restoration looks like, it's important to remember that Psalm 23 is written by David from the perspective of a sheep in the care of the good shepherd. David has already declared previously in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. And then he continues to celebrate both green pastures and quiet waters. And a question that comes out of this for me is, why would a sheep in the care of the good shepherd uh, find itself in need of soul restoration? What kind of trouble would they get in to need restoration? Well, at a high level, sheep are stupid, simply put. They're simple creatures. They're always at risk of death. They're reliant on their shepherd's watchful eye. And this was no doubt on David's mind as, as he wrote this psalm and drew comparison to himself as a sheep. David wrote in Psalm 42, he said, why so downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Now for us, when we ask ourselves this question, at least in this season, it, it could just be the natural consequence of living in Seattle in February, right? Like why so distressed? It's been 40 and raining since Labor Day. Like our problem kind of begins and ends there. But there's a direct parallel between what David meant of downcast and the life of a sheep. A, a, a cast or cast down sheep has flipped over on its back. It's feet in the air, all four feet, unable to turn over. And if the shepherd doesn't come and flip them over, uh, they'll essentially die. Gases build in their, in their belly uh, and, and they're unable to survive. Now, if it's, if it's warm weather, uh, that death could come very quickly. And if it's cooler, maybe they'll last a few days. Uh, but a cast sheep, a sheep flipped over, is in great peril. And David knew what it was to be cast down and in need of restoration. Many examples of this in David's life, but one in particular uh, that, that, that I would call to mind is his relationship with Bathsheba. Imagine the distress in David's soul that built as this relationship unfolded. The Bible talks about this in 2 Samuel 11, but what began as this evening walk on the roof turned into a, a bit of voyeurism, and then as we would understand it today, an abuse of power, and then a pregnancy, which then led to a murder. This is David, the man after God's own heart, a sheep in the shepherd's good care, step by step makes a mess of his life and those around him. And even before David spots Bathsheba on the, on the roof, uh, his soul was probably in some distress. The, the scripture says it was springtime when kings go off to war. And of course, uh, the, the Israelite army was off to war and he sent other, other uh, men ahead in his place to fight the battle and they were victorious. But David is, is back and he's having a sleepless night. So he gets up, walks out on the roof. His soul is troubled. One thing leads to another. And we start to understand what it means to be cast down as David meant it and in need of, of restoration as David was. One of the books that we've been referencing as a teaching team in, in preparation for this series on Psalm 23 is by a former shepherd who reflects on uh, verse by verse through Psalm 23 uh, and kind of fills in these insights into, into sheep and shepherd culture as it were and one of the most interesting things is he unpacks the, the, the different dangers that a sheep would encounter. Uh, but he says that, that no sheep was safe from danger, that even the, the strongest and best were at risk. And now consider David. This wasn't the shepherd boy, David. 
This was the king. He was older and wiser, had much experience to lean on, and he fell. 1 Corinthians 10 says, if, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. And this is important for many of us, highly educated, well-paid, able to meet our own needs in many respects, a lot of life to reflect upon, and yet we're vulnerable, in fact, in many ways because of that. So in the life of David and the lives of sheep, we see the need for this first movement from brokenness to wholeness. But it's also worth our time to consider how in our own lives we find ourselves in need of soul restoration. If you've been around Bethany for a while, you've heard Richard talk about body, soul, spirit. Uh, And I think there's some torchbearers folks here tonight that might recognize this. He often wears a a jacket from Tornoff that says body, soul, spirit. And and I, I often don't think much about it, but most of us have considered ourselves or have been taught that we're made up of our body and our soul. But we believe slightly different than that, that our body is, of course, our physical body, and our soul is made up of our our mind, uh, our will, and our emotions. And then our spirit is that with which God breathes into us at creation. The spirit of God sets us apart from, from animals, that we have the breath of God in us. And so that's very interesting, but I'll steer us away like a good shepherd Uh, from that rabbit trail for now and bring us back to this consideration of soul, our mind, will, and emotions. It's interesting to think about the things that that help create uh, some some distress and trouble in our soul. It it can really be anything discouraging. It can be physical or emotional, financial. It could be your work, relationships, something about your environment, all these things. I wonder how is your soul today? Is it distressed? There's distress in my soul. And and even though I'm loved by God and pursuing God and and taking proper precautions to avoid trouble, I find myself, uh, even today, in need of soul restoration. I wonder, why are you downcast today? Like, David, what's keeping you up at night? Like many of you, I've I've been in a a heavy and kind of challenging season personally, it's been stressful. I feel like I'm trying to carry a lot and do a lot of things at, at one time. Uh, and I found myself feeling weighed down, desiring rest. And so in the midst of this, I did what many of us do. I, I planned a vacation. I've deserved it, right? Don't, don't answer that. Uh, so my wife and I were like, well, let's, let's go on a vacation. And, you know, leaving Seattle in February is a great time to do this. So months back, we, we planned this this trip, and we had a couple things that we were really interested in. Uh, one of them was that it, that it was warm, uh, which just makes a lot of sense. Uh, another was that we just had more time together. Uh, we have two kids, and so often busy parents both work. Uh, you find yourself like it, it's actually challenging to complete a conversation that uh, toddlers, I think, make like 10 requests a minute or something like that, right? So we just wanted time together. Uh, and then the third thing was that we wanted that time without our kids. We love our kids, but they could not come on this particular vacation. So months went by, and uh, it was time for the trip, and we, uh, we got there, and uh, this place that the week before was like mid-80s was 60 and like super windy. So it felt like 50. So I was like, ah, strike one. Uh, and then... Um, our, our kids got sick after we had been there for about two days, and so we had to come back. So we like 
ponied up, bought new plane tickets, came back to Seattle. This is like strikes two and three, shortened trip, back with the kids who we love. But by the time we got home, they were fine. Like they were, they were like bouncing off the walls. And so uh, in the midst of this, the next day, Seattle got like our annual snow day um, a couple weeks ago, you know, and I live in Edmonds and it was uh, just a two hour late start. It wasn't even a full day, but it had, the ground had iced over. So we go out to, to take my daughter to school and she says, dad, the driveway is kind of slippery. Be careful. And I'm like, I got this. So I like, I take one step out the gate onto the driveway and totally both feet out from under me, land on my tailbone, which I can still feel at this moment. Uh, and then to add insult to this new injury, uh, the, the, I thought I'm past the time when the kids like norovirus thing that they had was, was gonna get me. So I felt oh, at least there's that, like I still have my health. And then I woke up the next morning just terribly sick. Uh, and was knocked down for about a week. So what, what, I, had, what I had hoped, uh, that all these hopes that I had, all of them were sort of dashed, and I was left uh, kind of in a bit of a funk. My, my confidence was shaken in, in some ways. I was in need of restoration. And uh, through the beauties of the, the internet, there's actually some footage of me uh, last week that I want to show you here. <laughs> there it is. That's me on vacation. <laughs> green, green pastures and quiet waters, right? <laughs> That's, of course, a, a sheep cast. Poor little guy. We, we laugh at his pain. But I set off in search of what I thought would be restorative. And a sheep, like here, decides to lie down in a comfortable place. And David can't sleep, and all of a sudden, these places of safety and comfort, these green pastures and quiet waters become wild places, requiring us to move, sometimes for the sake of our very lives. And of course, central to the gospel is the reality of our brokenness and our helplessness outside of the work of Christ, who is both the sacrificial lamb and the good shepherd who brings restoration. And one of the laws that we often believe when we, found our, when we find ourselves knocked down, either from sin or circumstance, it, it really doesn't matter, is that, is that God is somehow disappointed in us, that he's angry, that, that, that he disapproves, that, that he looks away. And in order for us to get back right, we need to pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off, and stand up on our own, kind of get back in line. And, and this just isn't true. Anyone ever fall, fallen down in public? Like you trip down some stairs or something? What's the first thing that you do when you fall down in public? Anybody? You look around. There it is. You look around because you want to know in that moment, like, is it okay for me to be hurt now? It doesn't matter if like your knee is like, your like leg bone is sticking out or you're bleeding profusely, you first want to know, did people see that? Because if people saw that, I'm good, right? <laughs> you like run to the nearest like public, public bathroom or something and then assess your wounds. Like did, did, did this really happen? And we sometimes do this when we find ourselves uh, in a place of trouble. We want to save face and yet God delights in picking us up. This former shepherd I mentioned, he references uh, this mix of anxiety and, and, and concern and compassion when finding a sheep in trouble, that even from a long way off, 
the anticipation would build as he would rush to the aid of a distressed sheep. Sometimes he would see birds circling off in the distance and he'd realize, oh, that's a cast sheep of mine. So he would run. And there's this hope that they're okay and also empathy, but also a bit of joy, he would write, that they would get to nurse them back to health. They'd literally pick them up and flip them over and rub their legs until the, the, the blood flow came back. And then they'd walk a little bit and they'd stumble and they'd pick them up and do it again. The shepherd would delight in this type of care. And parents understand this. Uh, when, when their child falls or when they get sick, there's a sorrow, of course, but there's a pleasure in being able to bandage them up and, and set them right again and, and maybe hold them for a bit. God doesn't look away. He's not mad. He's sorry for the trouble, but he longs uh, to heal us. If you hear nothing else today, I would love for you to know that you are joyfully and relentlessly loved by God, that God is far more gracious and far more kind and patient than most of us give him credit for most of the time. It's important to know that the full and final revelation of the heart and character of God is found in Jesus who offered his life in place of ours. And the gospel is good news because it declares God's unconditional love and grace for humanity, every last sheep. Scripture says he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we may become the righteousness of God. That is to say that we may be put right with God, restored. So this is the movement from brokenness to wholeness, and God does it over and over again. In David's life, David sinned, he's restored. Peter denies Jesus. Jesus says, feed my sheep, and then goes on to say, you'll be the rock I build my church upon. Paul, when we find him, he's Saul, he's killing Christians, and he's turned around to spread the gospel and ignite faith. Uh, and, because of, and because of his faith uh, and, and all that it did down the line, we're here today. The good shepherd restores his sheep, but he doesn't stop there. It's important for us as a next step tonight to consider our brokenness. Name your brokenness. Bring it to Christ who wants to heal. And then we're invited to the second movement from wanderer to follower. And that's your second fill in the blank. From wanderer to follower. David declares, he, he restores my soul. And he continues, he guides me in paths of righteousness. Or as the voice said, he steers me off worn, hard paths. Each of the folks I mentioned, David, Peter, Paul, were redirected down better paths. The, the scriptures are filled with people who were set right, restored, and then sent on a better path. And maybe that's your story. Maybe that's the story of other people around you. Sheep are creatures of habit. And so without the guidance of the shepherd, uh, they'll walk the same trails until they become ruts and they'll graze the same hills until they become barren deserts and they'll pollute their own ground until it's full of their own waste and disease. They'll literally make a mess of the land without the shepherd's guidance. They can't get along just anywhere and much of the shepherd's time is spent planning out the movement of the sheep, that this is the most important safeguard for sheep is keeping them on the move. Movement keeps the sheep and the land healthy. And this is what David had in mind when he, when he wrote of being led in paths of righteousness. David was aware of his own propensity to make a mess of the situation. And like sheep who would, who would even the oldest would bleed out in joy when they were led to, 
to, to, to green pastures. David loved a fresh place to dwell. He longed, as he wrote in this psalm, for quiet waters. But he needed and we need to follow the shepherd there, that we can't just wander our way to it and find it. Proverbs tells us there, there's a way that seems right to a person, but in the end it leads to death. That conventional wisdom is often wrong. That some of the paths that are often trod are hard ground. Isaiah 53 says, we, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And we wander. Does this sound familiar to you? I set out to, to plan a vacation that I thought would be restorative for me, and yet what I needed was to follow the shepherd. There was distress in my soul that, that God can and wants to heal, and yet I made a plan to dust myself off and get back before anyone noticed. And I'll confess that as the distress in my soul continued, uh, my time in God's word and in prayer didn't increase like it should, it, it, it decreased. I felt lost and decided to wander my way back. I was drifting further from what I needed most, which was the guidance of the shepherd. I realized I didn't need plane tickets uh, to find the rest that I needed. Hear me, there's nothing wrong with vacation or plane tickets. We just bought some, we're gonna try again. Uh, But I knew deep down in my heart that I was looking for what I was looking for in the wrong place. I had made this rule of life as we as a community have been talking about for for months now, a set of habits and principles that would, that would govern the way uh, that I live my life. And, and would you believe it, the minute things got difficult, that kind of went right out the window. I abandoned it in my distress. But you know what God reminded me of? That God's not mad when we wander off. He's out looking for us. And he longs to bring us back. In Matthew 18, Jesus tells this story. He says, what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the other 99 that didn't wander off. In the same way, your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. I wonder tonight, have you wandered off? What's the source of your distress? Maybe your job, uh, once, once familiar and safe, has become a wild place. Maybe a relationship. Uh, maybe you're, you're, you're wondering how you got where you are and what purpose might, God might have for you in this season. Or maybe you're in a sweet spot and you're just praying nothing changes, right? Very careful to not camp out in a place that God has called us to pass through. It's so easy for us to wander off. Maybe it's boredom or stress or disillusionment about some aspect of our lives and we forget how we got where we are. Maybe you used to love your freedom as a single person. Now you find yourself lonely. Or you long for marriage and now, now you feel a bit, a bit crowded. You used to love your job, now you're collecting a paycheck. You, you could rely on your health and, and, and now you're dealing with a difficult diagnosis. Maybe there was a sense of purpose in your steps and now you feel a bit lost and it feels like something shifted and you find yourself wondering, how did I get here? The Israelites were familiar with this. If you remember the Exodus story, God brings them out of Egypt on their way, showing them time and again his faithfulness. Leading them to the promised land like a sheep leading his, his, like a shepherd leading his sheep to green pasture to find rest. 
<coughs> excuse me, but what does Israel do? They lose faith and they stop following. Their journey toward the promised land led to some disillusionment and then some wandering. So I wonder, have you wandered off? And what are you in search of? What map are you following? What wisdom and guidance are you listening to? Even in our wandering, God is with us, calling us to follow him on the road ahead. And there may be someone here tonight or, or many of you, I know I've experienced this before, who are in a season where you're experiencing the silence of God. And there's great mystery behind this and I won't profess to know the answers. But in these moments, I, I, I often remind myself of, of how God speaks, that God speaks through his creation, that God speaks through his word and God speaks through the community and so it's very important that we, that we try and seek out counsel and listen in all of those places that we would hear God's word. Now I said it's universally understood that, that life is a journey, but this movement from wanderer to follower highlights the real challenge for us. We just wanna get there, right? We wanna arrive, like children on a road trip, right? Or are we there yet? Over and over again. We, it was fun for a while and now we're just ready to get there. We, we want this promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey and endless green pastures and peaceful waters. But this is not the life we've been called to, this side of heaven. There are roads left to travel. There's ground left to take. And we're invited from the movement to the movement from wanderer to follower. And so maybe in this section, an, a, a next step for you is where are you resisting following? Give it some thought. But we've invited to follow for a purpose, and this leads to the final movement. That we're invited to a, a shift in our purpose, this, to answer this big why of our lives. And it's the movement from for my sake to for Christ's sake. And that's your third fill in the blank. From for my sake to for Christ's sake. He guides me in paths of righteousness, Psalm 23.3 begins with and ends with, for his name's sake. And right there, we're reminded of our purpose. We've been restored and set on a path for the sake of the shepherd. Now, Jesus spoke of the cost of following and inviting us to give up our very lives to, of course, find something, gain something far better. But Jesus says, if anyone wishes to come after me, they must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for my sake, they are the one who will find it. I said earlier that we understand our soul to be our mind, will, and emotions, and part of the soul restoration we need is that Christ brings us this reshaping of our mind, will, and emotions to the point that we're able to, to think and act and feel on behalf of Christ and his kingdom, that we would spend our lives in service to the shepherd and in turn find a richer and fuller life that we would lay down our rights and become slaves to Christ. And in that bondage, one of the great mysteries of the gospel, find real freedom. John the Baptist lived for the sake of Christ and called all who would follow him uh, to the same. There's this beautiful passage in Luke 3 where, where John is, is calling out and he's, he's hearkening back to Isaiah and he says, make ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight that every ravine would be filled and every mountain and hill would be brought low, that the crooked would become straight and the rough road smooth and all flesh will see the salvation of God. 
all flesh would see the salvation of God. We've been invited to life that others, oftentimes through us, would experience that same life. That the, that the rough roads would be smooth and the barriers, particularly the barriers to faith, the barriers to life in Christ would, would find themselves out of the way as the voice translation put, put it, that we'd walk roads where truth and righteousness echo his name, that our very lives could echo and could point to the one who made us. And we've been invited to life for the sake of Christ the good shepherd. And the good shepherd loves every last one of his sheep and longs to restore and set on a good path and give purpose to each one, that we the sheep would flourish that the pasture we graze, our world would flourish. But it takes movement on our behalf. I left out a piece earlier as in conclusion uh, of what causes these sheep to be cast down, what causes them to, to be unable to get back up on their own. And one of the root causes is they get too heavy. There's too much wool. Their coat is too thick. They're carrying too much weight that if they lie down, they can't get back up. But the shepherd has a solution for this. He shaves it off. It lightens the load, right? It's, of course, uncomfortable for the sheep. They may have some nicks and cuts and sores from the shaving, but the, the burden is lifted and, and they're able to carry on. I've felt this in my own life the past few weeks that, that God is challenging my attachment, inviting me to not get too comfortable in one spot to avoid camping out where God has called me to pass through. And I've been carrying a lot. I've been carrying things God isn't asking me to carry. I just feel the Lord saying it's time to lighten the load. And maybe that's a word for you tonight. I wonder what's weighing you down. I wonder if you're carrying too much, maybe your burden or someone else's. Maybe you're carrying supplies. Uh, the, the fact that I think the storage industry in, in America is like a $3 billion industry, shows us that, man, we, we, like, to, we like our stuff. We want to bring it on, because uh, someday we might need it. And so we put, we, we put hope and stock in things and 401ks, and none of that stuff is bad. But we've been invited to a faith that's Christ plus nothing. And Christ wants to provide provision for us wants to prune away things from our life to lighten our load so that we can keep moving on this journey. We were made to move. We're invited to a journey and along the way we may find ourselves broken, wandering and pursuing our own purposes. And Jesus, our good shepherd and sacrificial lamb is right with us, inviting us to move from brokenness to wholeness, from wanderer to follower, and from life for our sake to life for Christ's sake. And Jesus says this. This is the invitation. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. As we close together before we approach the table, I'll invite us to... To, to pray together, Psalm 23, verses one to three. This is how far we are so far in the series. This will be on the screen. Uh, let's read together. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. 
He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Amen.